Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. All right, all right. At this time, if all the young kids are coming forward, it's time to go off for Kids Church. So come on up. Pastor Jackson's ready to take you guys. Look at this. Look at this. All right, all right. Hey, let's clap for them kids that are going to go learn a little bit more about Jesus. Hey, y'all have a great time. Have a great time. There you go. There it is. Look at that. Look at that. We'll keep clapping until they go. We're ready. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to keep clapping until you go. Yeah. There you go. Hey, God is good. Oh, y'all might not have heard me. I said God is good. And all the time. Come on, let's be reminded of that today. All right, so look, I am super excited to, uh, to be sharing this message with us today, and, um, and this is kind of the last message before we launch into a new series, and so um, you'll notice the last couple of weeks, we've just been declaring a couple of truths that we felt like we wanted to revisit in Scripture, and, uh, and today, this message is Jesus, Savior of Sinners, right? Like, for a lot of us, this might be a reminder message, just a, a refresh, a, a call again. And for some of us, you know, it might be, this might be a call that's new. It might be a recognition of, hey, like, I've known this truth, but I've never declared this to be a truth for me. And so, um, and so wherever, wherever this message lands with you today, I know as I've been, as I've been writing this week and I've been, been preparing for this message, it's been stirring something up in me. And so I hope it stirs something up in you as well. I uh, recently was uh, perusing Facebook. Anybody, when you don't know what to do, you just kind of look at social media. Anybody else? Come on. I, I know y'all. Come on. Be, be more honest. There you go. How many of you never do that, honestly? You're just like, I don't do that. Social media and I don't go together. Anybody? Some of you? Okay. A couple of you? Yeah. All right. So a couple of you, not so much. The rest of you, like, absolutely. All right. So, I, you know, I, I don't know why, but I was just kind of, I don't know what I was looking for that day when I was kind of scrolling through the social media world, but... Um, what I stumbled upon was somebody who had done a Philly tour, and uh, and I started I started you know kind of looking at all their pictures of the th- the places that they have gone and stuff like that, and I tried to identify like oh I know that spot or I've eaten there, and and this person was a lot like Rick, you know like we got you know those of you who know Rick or follow Rick on social media, you know every other post is either a song that he's dropping, or a food that he's eating, right? Those, amen. Amen. Some people, some people notice they follow him about this, right? And they're like, hey, like every time I've gone out with Rick, he's like taking pictures at the at the table and getting ready to eat. And I'm like half into my meatball hoagie already. And he's like, come on, I didn't get a picture of that. Well, anyway, so similar idea. I was kind of looking. And I was like, man, these, I was trying to identify, okay, where are they eating at? Maybe I've eaten there. Maybe I haven't. You know, maybe that's a good place for me to, M- Michelle and I, to go out for dinner or something. But then I saw this one picture. Now, now I, wish I, I wish I had the picture. If I had thought of it, I'd have the picture to show you. Or if I, if I knew where it was, I would tell you where to go. But somewhere here in our great city, there is, um, there, there's, there's this art space, outdoor art space. And it's just created with a bunch of shattered glass. It's mo- a mosaic style. Y'all know what I mean when I say mosaic, right? Like, it's a bunch of things that once had a bigger picture, and they all got broken up, and now they're just kind of all fragmented next to each other, and you know, and it just kind of makes this new image, right? And, uh, and I, was, I was looking, no, I don't want that up there yet. Um, I was looking, and, uh, and I was just like, wow, that is, that's pretty amazing. I was seeing these pictures of, like, 
um, you know, like sculptures that like, I think one of them is like a bear and it's like a big bear and it's like made out of like a thousand different pieces of shattered glass. And you're like, wow, like that's crazy. But what, what I thought about when I saw that is like, number one, like who, who came up with this idea? Like who comes up with the idea that's like, hey, I'm going to take a bunch of broken things and make something out of it. Like, I, I, I don't know, like well, I don't have that ingenuity. It's not in me, right? Like that's that's not how that's not how I made. But but I was I was I was in awe of the fact that somebody else had that idea. And then the second thing I thought of is like, I wonder if they broke those things just for the purpose of making something out of it. Yeah, you know, I was like, oh, they thought they were so artistic, like smash. Now watch what I can do, right? I don't know if that's how it went. I'm not exactly sure how they came about. And I'm I'm not really. I'm, I, I tend to imagine. I tend to imagine that uh, that that's not how it went. But. But still, like, my mind was kind of rattling in that space. I was like, wow, like, how does this go? And then I was just lost in the beauty of all these things that were created. Have you ever found yourself thinking, what's he going to do with this? With this, like, with you, or with the, the situation you're in, or the circumstances you've been about? Like, how's this going to work out? I have, a, uh, I have a real liking for sappy movies. Anybody else with me? Anybody like, you get lost in like happy romantic movies? You know, like you're like, ah, you know, like people talk about like shows that when it's on, like you're flipping the stations. I know, I know for a younger generation, you never do this anymore. But back in the day, you had to like flip through the TV channels or you had to turn to that paper guide that told you what was on TV. That's way back in the day, way back in the day. But... The, you know, people talk about there are certain shows that when it's on, you have to stop, right? You know, like, here's a, for instance, like, anytime I'm flipping, I'm flipping. If there's anything Star Wars related, I'm stopping. It doesn't matter who's in the room. It doesn't matter what they wanted to watch. Overruled, Star Wars is on. We're watching it, right? Like, thank the Lord there's other spaces you can go watch something else if you want. But that's where I'm stopping at. That's one of the things I stop at. One of the other things I stop at, I'm just gonna just gonna just gonna confess this to you right now. One of the other things I stop at is is any sappy romantic movie. I'm just like, hmm, I'm in. I'm just right there. I'm just right there. So, um, you, you know, in, in trying to figure out like where this all came from, I, I recognized it very early on. I got exposed to like some early sappy movies, and I was just like, wow, this is great. I hope that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan find each other again, and and they. Y'all with me? Yeah, yeah. Y'all remember? Okay, good, 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 good. Well, <clears throat> one of my one of my early favorites was uh, was a movie, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Any other fans? Any other fans? And then since then, I've just liked anything that Julia Roberts was in. <clears throat> so uh, some other people in the room agree with me. Maybe you at home agree too. Well, one of the movies I absolutely love, True Sap, Runaway Bride. <laughs> Runaway Bride. Anybody? Anybody? Look, it doesn't have to be a favorite. It's not a classic, but it's just one of those movies you're just like, wow. Here's why. Here's why I love this movie, and, and here's how I'm going to tie it into our message today. In the movie, I'm going to spoil it for everybody in case you, uh, if you haven't watched it, then this is Ray's version of the movie. In the movie, this young lady is diagnosed with a problem. Her problem is that she wants to fall in love and get married, but she has a real fear that always stops her just before the final moment. And so the movie is entitled Runaway Bride because she's always dressed as the bride and just before she commits her vows. Now, for those of you who are engaged, 
this is not going to happen to you, all right? Like, don't go home wearing that this might be you, all right? But just before she commits her vows, she runs out of the sanctuary. She just runs away, right? Like, catches an Uber, and she's out, right? And uh, at one point in the movie, he, uh, her groom is trying to coach her into making it down the aisle. She's made it to the back doors. They've opened up, and he's making eye contact with her, and he's like, you know, stay focused, stay focused. Just keep coming. He's like standing in the front of the sanctuary and coaching his bride to come, and she's making her way down the aisle. And finally, you're like, finally, 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 she's going to do it. She's going to do it. She's going to make it to the front, and she's going to wed this guy. It's going to be amazing. And just before, you can picture her coming all the way down. She gets to the front pew. He's ready to go down and receive her hand. And just before he grabs her hand to walk her up those last couple steps, you know what happens. She loses focus on what the end goal was. And the fear overcomes her. And she exits stage left. She just runs right out the door, right? And so you wonder when you come to a wedding here at the church, you wonder why we have people standing at the doors like this. We're not letting anybody out. Nobody out. Nobody out. You got you to gotta, you gotta finish the deal here, right? <clears throat> well, here, look, here, here's the reality. In that movie and true for us in life, right, how often is it that we lose sight of the end goal? Like we've got a, we've got a trajectory. We've got someplace we know we're supposed to go. We've got something we know we're supposed to be about. We've got something that we're actually anticipating. We're looking forward to it and yet just before just before we lose sight of it and all of a sudden we find ourselves way out in left field ever happened to anybody that big or little in in, in situation in life has anybody ever had that kind of situation right not the wedding thing where you ran out i'm not asking if you ran out of the sanctuary on your wedding day right Uh, but but if you ever like all right here's a simple one right you know, on, on D- December 31st, you're like, these are the things I'm going to do for the rest of the, for my new year, right? Come on, come on, nod your head if you've ever done this, right? On December 31st, you made your list, like, here's what my new year is going to be like. On January 1st, you lived up to that list. On January 5th, you almost lived up to the list. On February 1st, you forgot what the list was. Come on, is that true for anybody? Anybody ever have that moment, right? And was it because it was a bad list? Was it because there were bad things you wanted to do on December 31st? Well, if they were, don't confess that now to us. Take that up with Jesus. But, but no, it's probably not the problem that, with the list that you made. It's probably that somewhere after December 31st and before February 1st, you lost sight of how great it was going to be. And you thought to yourself, like, getting up early in order to go for that run seems awful. And you were, and that's true. But for the end goal purpose, it probably would have been important to still get up. And you made the decision, and before you knew it, you were in left field. That list was long gone, and you said, don't worry, next year, December 31st, I'll remake that list. I will Google it and bring it right back up. I want to challenge us today to not lose sight of the end goal. We're going to focus the rest of this message on the end goal. And we're going to have moments along this, along this journey here for the next half hour. We're going to have moments where we have to really check our hearts and say, hey, did I lose sight of the end goal? Did I lose sight of it? And if I did, you're going to have an on-ramp back on. And if you didn't lose sight of it, how can you grab a hold of it in such a way that you won't lose sight of it? That February 1st won't be the day in which you say, hey, I forgot what I was supposed to be doing. And you went on to something else.
Jesus, I pray right now that that this message would land with each of us, God. I pray that you would do something great in our hearts, God. Grab a hold of us. Help us to be focused on this end goal, to know what it is you have us to be about, and then to be about it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians in the second chapter in the first verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, keeping the tradition of the church. When you turn there, say amen. David, bring it down off the screen just for a second. Let's let them turn there first so I can hear a couple amens. I want a couple pages to turn. And then everybody else, when it comes up on the screen, you can say amen. But we'll start with some people who are turned there. If you're turning in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, let me hear amen when you get there. All right, all right. Let's get everybody else feeling the same way. Ephesians chapter 2 in the first verse. And this is what it says. There it is. Oh, sorry. This, this is what it says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, say that with me, all of us, lived among them at one time. We were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Jesus even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. I love that, uh, that Paul, when he writes to the church, he, he identifies some, some things that, we, that, that both encourage us and convict us at the same time. He starts off here by saying that we were once dead in our transgressions and sins. The way I like to say this is we once made a mess and we played in it for too long. Anybody that true for? Have you ever made a mess and stayed in your own mess? Anybody ever do that? You ever find a moment where you're like, man, I know how I got here and I wish I didn't, but, I, but I've been in this box for a little while. I made this mess and I'm in it. You know, there's, there's some, some kind of saying from way back in the day that says, like, you, 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 made, your, you made your bed, you got to lie in it or something like that, right? Like, we've all laid in that bed for too long. We've all laid in that bed for too long. And, and, and Paul says to the church, hey, um, friends, like, I want you to hear this. He's writing to people he knows. He's writing to the church. He's writing to people he loves. He says, uh, you were dead in your mess. You were stuck in your sin." You had made a mess, and there was no answer for it. When we think about that, we think of all the ways in which we try to overcome the messes that we make. We try to clean it up. You know, we, you know, we, 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 get, the, we get the rag and the soap. I almost fell over. We get the rag and the soap, and we try to clean it up the best we can. Or we get the shovel, and we try to shovel it out. Or, or you know, like, we do everything we can to make it look as if the mess was never there. But the problem is, the mess is actually still there. It's still there. And even though we work so hard to try to get rid of it, to try to clean it up, or to try to try to excuse it away, we just could never get away from it. And Paul says, hey, that's not just true for you. It's true for all of us that we were all in that spot at one point. And then he says this. He says in verse 4, he says, but, everybody say that. No, no, say it emphatically. 
But, but because of what? Because, bring up verse 4 for me, please. But because of his great love for us. That's what it says. Verses 1 through 3, we made a mess. And we couldn't clean ourselves out of it. But because of his, that's God, because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ. What's our problem? We made a mess. What's our way out? We have none on our own. But God, but God, but God's love for us made a way. Why? Because he loved us. And what, did the way, what was the way? Verse 5, he made a way for us to be alive with Christ. He made a way for us to again be right with him. He made a way for us to, to be beyond the mess that we had made. There was a shift. Verses 1 through 3, identifying the problem. But verse 4, introducing the only answer. Many, many, many years ago, many years ago, um, we, we didn't have as many kids as we do now. And so um, we, everything was a new discovery, right, because it was our first. And so um, at one point, we, we, uh, we, we trusted our son to be in his room, in his little crib, sound to sleep. And, uh, and we were enjoying the blissfulness of a quiet house. And in about, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe like six or seven hours into that blissfulness, I'm just kidding, it was just maybe like 45 minutes later, you know, Michelle, Michelle was like, I should probably go check on him. I was like, okay, that's fine. And so she goes to his room and opens the door and discovers that our oldest son has amazing artistic abilities. Who would have known that at two years old with a Sharpie, the things that you could create? And who knew that if he stood on the edge in his crib, that he could reach over and reach the walls and the window air conditioner and the pull-down shade? Like everything just had his tags all over it. He had made a mess. And we were pretty confident that some of the mess we wanted him to keep. You know, like, we were like, oh, that's kind of cool design. Like, keep that one on the arm. Plus, it's a Sharpie. It's pretty hard to get off anyway, right? So we were just like, ah, well, we'll just color it in and we'll just tattoo him young. You know, it's great. But some of the mess we wanted to get rid of. And so then we went in with every solution you could imagine. We started off with like some, some, some Dawn dish detergent and a little bit of water, and, and we started to clean anything. We, we grabbed anything that could go in the washer, and we tried to wash it. And in case you're wondering, permanent marker is called permanent for a reason. There were a couple of places that was like, this just seems impossible. I'm not sure that there's any way for us to get this off. And then... One of our visitors came over, and we told them our story, and they came back later that day, and they brought us a magic eraser. <laughs> and in case you're wondering, they're called magic erasers for a reason. I was like, wow, who knew? It didn't do anything to his body, but I got it off of everything else. 
Like this thing just scrubbed off of, I, we have the AC unit again, and we got shades that don't have drawings on them, and, and even off of the walls without repainting. Like, I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. But all we were really looking for was some way to clean up the mess. And absent of that magic eraser, there was no answer. Everything we tried left us with the mess. You might be sitting there thinking to yourself, Pastor Ray, I'm not sure. Like, I'm looking around and, and you know, like I'm, I'm a little less mess than other people around me. So I'm not sure how this matters. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're in that spot or if you ever meet somebody who might be in that spot, you might want to look at Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It's one of the verses I come back to every time I start to think a little bit too good of myself. I just come back to this reminder. The prophet Jeremiah says this. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who could ever understand it? Right? Like, you say, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Like, I got my stuff together. Like, you know, like I might be here, but I'm not there. You know, like, you know, and, and that comparative game comes in, you know, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, you understand that. So the comparative thing comes in, and you start thinking, well, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I need all this stuff that Pastor Ray is talking about. And when we get to that spot, whether we think that out loud or whether, we, whether we're just kind of going through and echoes of our mind or we see somebody else's situation, like, well, at least it's not that situation, right? Wherever you get to that spot, I just remind you that the prophet Jeremiah, who, who well, when, when he shared this, he, he, it's, it's a compelling nature, right? Like, the compellingness of this is if we really understood the depth of our mess, we would never think that we could be mess-free on our own. We would never think we can climb out of it. We would never think we could overcome it all on our own. Paul says it this way to the Romans in, in, in the third chapter. He says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are in really good company. Absent of one, there's never been anybody who this isn't true for. Y'all hear that? Absent of one, there's never been anybody who this isn't true for. Now, you might look around you and say, like, Saint, Saint ain't, right? But, but the Saint, Saint ain't, we all have something in common. Y'all don't, don't get the Saint, Saint ain't thing? You don't get that? Oh, we'll talk about it during the Fall Family Friend Day. It'll be great. You understand it? For all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us, even those of us who are saint, those of us who are saying, hey, we're walking with Jesus. And the ain't, somebody who's like, I'm not sure I'm walking with Jesus yet. We still have this one thing in common. We all still need to walk with Jesus because we've all found ourselves deep in the depths of depravity. Right? So we've all found ourselves in a spot where we're like, God, there's no way out of this. Uh, the right, uh, John, John says this way in 1 John in the first chapter uh, in verses 8 and 9. He says, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves or we lie. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, then God is faithful and just and he forgives us of our sins and he purifies us or cleans us up from all of our unrighteousness. So like, what is the way out of this? What is the way through this situation? Here it is. Like, if we would, if we say that we've never made a mess... Look at me. We lie. We lie. If you think you don't need Jesus, you're lying to yourself. Because it is clear through all of humanity that every one of us has something in common. And that is that we are messed up. We did. We blew it somewhere along the way. 
At least once. At least once. So you say, Pastor Ray, what are you saying by all this? I'm, say, I'm saying this as, as, uh, as clear as I can to us today. We are like that mosaic picture that I was trying to paint for you or the illustration I was trying to give you at the beginning. We're this, this beautiful image of something that was made with the beauty of God's imagination and then interjected our mess into it. It's like it fell to the ground and shattered. And we're all like these fragmented pieces of a mosaic. If you're going to try to take notes, I'm going to try to give you three things that you can remember. That is our first one. We are a mosaic of shattered clay. You say, what am I? Uh, I'm this beautiful thing that God made, but now as a result of my life, a whole bunch of pieces that only the great illustrator can put back together. On its own, I'm just a big pile of rubbish. I'm a mess. But God. But God, God and only God can take these pieces and put them together. Pastor Charlie gave an illustration the other last night about, about somebody who puts the pieces of a puzzle together, right? And the only part that I wanted to add to his illustration is that the way that I put a puzzle together is I look at the picture of what it's supposed to be. And then I mimic that by putting the pieces together. That's not how God puts the puzzle together. God designs what it's supposed to be, and then he puts the pieces there, right? He's the great illustrator, the artist. He, he's ultimately the one who says, I want this and this and this, and they fit together like this. I look at the picture on the box, and I'm like, oh, okay, that one has a little brownish spot. Look for the one that has a brown spot, and I try to find it, and I try to put it in that spot difficult for people who can't see colors real well like me. So people correct me on my color game as I'm going along. But ultimately, if you're following along, we are this mosaic of shattered clay. We're this, this, this beautiful thing that's been put back together, but in its core, we were just a bunch of shattered pieces. So we need, we need somebody. We need, we need God. We need God who's, who's saying, I can, I can bring this together. I can give this purpose again. Look with me in the book of Romans in the fifth chapter. I'm going to try to move a little quicker here so we make it all the way through. The book of Romans in the fifth chapter, if you're there, say amen. Or when you're there, say amen. Okay, all right. In fifth chapter, in the eighth verse, it's going to pop up right behind me. This is what it says. God, but God demonstrated his love for us. I'll wait for it to jump up there. Just kidding, just kidding. Gave a thumbs up if you think we have it. Thumbs down if I forgot to give it to you. Fifth chapter, Romans 5, 8. Mm-mm-mm. I'm so sorry, everybody. Somehow I thought it was going to be there, but it's not. But this is what it says. This is what it says. Romans in the fifth chapter and the eighth verse says this. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All right? 
Let me say it again just because you're not going to be able to see it on the screen. So you're going to have to believe me, then you're going to go home and look it up, and then you're going to be like, oh, he, he, it was true. It's what it says. It says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still in a mess, Christ died for us. This is crazy to think about, right? Like, Christ did not wait for us to claw our way out and then say, oh, that was it. That was it. You can bring it back up. We did it. Yeah. Woo. All right, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ, oh, that's what it says. Christ died for us, right? He did not wait for us to say, hey, I'm going to find my way out of this mess, or, or I'm going to get clean enough, and then, and, then, and then Christ said, okay, you're clean enough now, and so now I'll go and I'll, I'll pay the ultimate price for you. No, no, no. He, he, he knew in advance the price, the cost that it had for him. And he chose in advance to pay our debt. It's crazy to think about that. I don't know about you, but like, if I were making it up, if I got to design this, I might design it different. What about you? If you got to design how the redemption of the world goes, would you pick something different than this? Than dying on a cross? Would you pick something different than sacrificing your own son? Would you pick something different than, than the the this fork in the road that ultimately at the end of the day is I've either chosen to be for God or not? Would you pick something different than that? I, I don't know what, I mean, when I think about it today, I'm just like, yeah, like, I don't know, God, like, if you're asking my opinion, I might have chosen something different. Here's, here's some unique news. He didn't ask my opinion. And this might sound harsh or brash, he didn't ask yours either. Matter of fact, before you had an opinion, he paid a price. I mean, think about that. How arrogant of me to think that I could redesign the way that God would pay the price for my life. How crazy of me to think I could minimize the expense that it had to the Father by suggesting that, oh, it should happen this way. You know, God, you could just imagine the same way he said to Job, you can imagine him saying to him, where were you when I paid this price? Where were you when I picked up dirt and made it man? Where were you when I did the first surgery on earth and I plucked the rib out of her? Where were you in those moments? Oh, you weren't here yet? Oh, you weren't there? Guess what is in common with all those moments? God was there. So when I sit here and I think to myself, well, you know, God, why isn't it different? Or why don't the rules have different things? Like, why, why, why aren't there more exceptions to the rule? Or, or what does that look like? I, I, I find myself wanting to, like, negotiate it back with God. And I just find God saying, Jesus, before you thought you could negotiate, Jesus, before you thought there was a need to negotiate, Jesus, this is what I did. This is the price that I paid. This is what I'm willing to offer. This is how much I care about you. I'm willing to even listen to you. you, you, this, 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 you know, this litany of excuses for why it should be different. 
And all the while, I'm still paying the great sacrifice for you. When I think about it that way, when I, when I reframe my, 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 my thinking on this, I realize that they're not my rules to make. That God has designed our gift of salvation. That's point number two. God has designed our gift of salvation. Friends, let me say this to you one more time. When I say our gift of salvation, I'm literally saying our gift. That God made the choice, he scripted what it would look like, and he gave it to each of us. Now I can go back and be like, rock, paper, scissors, God, who wins? But at the end of the day, God's like, where were you? Where were you in that moment? This is what I've done for you, to share and to show how much I love you. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles there, ch check out 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul's going to give some direction to young Timothy who is starting to pastor and lead in a church. And he's given direction around the authority that God has and specifically the authority that the Word of God has. So this is what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the 16th verse. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The scriptures, the word of God, holds the authority of God, and it is meant to be used for the purpose of directing us back to God. Some of us, sometimes we read the word of God to be an encouragement, but we skip over the parts that have authority over us to seek to rebuke us or correct us or realign us back with the ways and the will of God. We want to negotiate with God what is right and what is wrong. We want to negotiate with God how something should go or how something shouldn't. We want to negotiate with God whether it should be the narrow path or the wide path. And I want to say to us, look, God has already determined those things, and then he has given us his word, which he says, I am the word, right? So he, he has given us his, him, Christ, God, alive in his word for us to know and to understand, but not just to be educated, not just to be taught, but it's actually to be trained up. And that means sometimes God himself needs to say, I want you to walk in this direction, and we can try to negotiate. We can try to argue and shout. We can jump up and down if we want. And you know what he says at the end of that? I did it. Now I want you to walk in this direction. Friends, I want to say this to you today. Being here, big step. Being here, right direction. But what you do when you leave here. How you treat this word, how you take that word and impart it into your life, whether you align yourself with the will and the ways of God, decision you make, you make the decision of whether you'll do it. He makes the decision of what it's supposed to look like. When I was young, real young, like little, little boy young, I can remember my mom saying some things to me that I said, I will never say that to anybody. Then I got older, and it's like my mom still speaking through me to my kids. Just the other day, I was like, you don't like it that way? You start paying the bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, where'd that come from? Yeah, it felt good to say that too. I was like, I'll make the rules here. Yeah, 
Yeah. And they turned around, they were like, hey, Ma. They talked to Michelle. Hey, Ma. And I was like, all right, she really makes the rules here, but I enforce the rules here. <laughs> Friends, the word of God gives us the instruction to understand how to go from the fragmented mosaic pieces that we are to being someone who is walking right with the Savior. The, 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 the promise that we have received, designed by God, the gift of salvation for us. Why don't we wrap up this message by, by illustrating this third point. And the third point very simply is this. The gift of salvation is given to those who believe. It's not given to those who show up in church. It's not given to those who wear the wooden cross or tattoo it on their arm. I, I have it on, I don't remember which, Pastor Charlie has a wooden cross. I have it tattooed somewhere on my arm. I don't remember which arm it is right now. And uh, it's, that, that, that's, not, that's not the entry point for the gift of salvation. So please hear me today. The gift of salvation is reserved not for those who are obedient first. It's for those who would believe. For those who would believe. For God so loved the world, that's everybody, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would never die but have everlasting or eternal life, right? For God so loved everybody that he gave this wide invitation. I want you all. I receive those who believe. Invitation, wide, wide. The reality of the invitation, those who would believe. All right, here we go. We're going to move real quick through this. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, it, uh, has this, this conversation with God, and, and, uh, and, and God gives him this illustration. And you can find this in Jeremiah in the 18th chapter. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of tell you how it goes, but you're going to want to look it up. Jeremiah 18, you can take it off screen, please. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, you're going to want to look it up later. But this is what it says. It says, God, uh, Jeremiah has this conversation with God, and God says, hey, I want you to go for a walk with me. And we're going to walk down to the potter's house. And the Bible says that Jeremiah walked down to the potter's house. And, and God says, I want you to look in the window. And Jeremiah pu puts his nose up against the window. And he looks in the window. And he's looking in the window. And, and God says to him, he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see the potter. He says, what's the potter doing? He's like, the potter's sitting at the wheel. What's he doing at the wheel? He's spinning the clay. And then God starts to speak. And he says, watch as the potter spins the clay. What's happening in his hand? Well, the clay, it looks like there's something wrong with it. It's marred. It's falling apart. God says, well, what's he going to do with it? And Jeremiah says, he's going to throw it out and get a new batch of clay. He says, no, 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 no. Watch again and see what the potter does. And he says, the potter spins the wheel, and the marred clay that's in his hand doesn't form the way you think it would. And he, he begins to reshape it and remold it to be the beautiful image that God himself had designed it to be. And then God says to Jeremiah, if a potter can do this with clay, what can I, what can God do with somebody who would say yes to that, right? If a potter can pick up clay and say, hey, that, that, that's misformed and I can reshape that, what can God do with somebody who would say, hey, God, I'm yours? God, I'm yours. I am a pile of broken glass. Right, Michael? I am a pile of broken glass. What could you do with it? What could you do with it? Could you make something out of this? Could you repurpose this? Could you give it value and meaning again? What could you do with it? 
the author of Hebrews in the 10th chapter says this. says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. I'm in verse 22. And with full assurance that faith, that only faith brings. Having our hearts cleansed. Sorry, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed and made pure. Let us draw near to God. God, here I come. Here's the reality of my heart. Here's the pile of mess that I've made. God, would you do something here? You see, you say, Pastor Ray, why are you, why are you sitting on this for so long? Here's what I want us to really think about this morning. Some of us are recognizing, might be recognizing, you know what? God and I, we're we're on a good track. We're trajectorying well. And and, and to that end, we're saying, God, what do you want to do? What's our runaway plan? What's What's our way forward plan? Not runaway plan. What's our runway forward plan? Some of us, we've lost sight of the goal. We know what this is about. We, need, we, we, we know why we've been showing up to church, but we've lost sight of it. Maybe because of the pandemic or other things, we just kind of, we haven't been focused on saying, God, I'm yours. And God, I want to I be available to you. And so we're here today and we're saying, all right, God, like, it sounds like you're like reimagining this plan with me. I let go of the script. God, I, 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 want, I want you to use me. Do what you want. But some of us might actually be here today and say, you know what? I've been doing the church thing for a long, long time, but I've never actually done the God thing. I've never actually been like, God, I center on you. I've tried to lead. I've tried to control. I've tried to own. I've tried to renegotiate. I've tried to reimagine. I've tried to ignore the parts of the book that I don't want to understand. Maybe there's an invitation there for you as well. I'm going to invite Scott and Sabrina to come back up, and they're going to they're gonna lead us in, in one final song, I think, right? They're going to lead us in one final song. They're going to lead us in one final song, and then as they, oh, yeah, and Darnell, sorry. And as they do that, as they lead us in that song, I want to invite you to really think about where this message lands for you. Pastor Charlie is going to come up at the end of that, and uh, he's going he's gonna to give us an invitation, an opportunity to take what we've been talking about this morning and to offer that to God and allow God to do something in terms of setting it deep within us. You might be thinking to yourself, are we going to get outside? Yes, we will. The fall, the family, and the friends, they're going to be there. Don't worry. But just before we go out there, I think God might want us to celebrate what he's doing here first. So take a moment. Settle into this time of prayer with me. During this, at the end of, at the end of we'll continue to pray in a, in, and, uh, through a time of worship. And then at the end of that, Pastor Charlie will come up and he'll give us an invitation. Father, I know that what you're leading us in is good and it is right. We're shattered clay. We're a mess. We've made it. We've been it. We tried our own way out of it. But what would happen if you made the shattered clay into a mosaic, into a beautiful picture that is formed by all these broken pieces being put back together? God, you designed a plan of salvation that required action from you. Didn't require us to clean up or get up.
didn't require us to have enough or to earn enough. You desired designed salvation for us at your expense. And what you've said through your authoritative word is that the gift of salvation is ours upon belief. So Lord God, speak to our hearts during this time. Receive this last song of worship but also, God, stir something up in us. We sit, we wait, we sing, we attentively point our hearts towards you. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.